0: Welcome to the Life Leadership Podcast with myself, Leela Singh. All things coaching, career and personal branding. This podcast is for ambitious career professionals like you wanting to create a life of choice and freedom, to be, do and have more through overcoming limitations, to develop new perspectives and insights and to redefine your success, be that in work, health, relationships and so much more. In today's episode, I'm going to be speaking with Paul Excel. Paul is an award-winning global CXO, tech pioneer, chair and non-exec director, board advisor and coach, with an impressive track record of delivering growth and digital transformation in global technology companies. His unique career journey started in his family's food and retail business, followed by an apprenticeship, global executive career and is now giving back as a tech scale-up board advisor, investor and accredited executive growth coach. His remarkable journey insights offer the best of both worlds, entrepreneurial, innovative mindset and agility and delivering at global scale. He has codified his insights into a growth framework for innovative agile leaders and teams, the seven C's of agile leaders. Paul's life journey has made him passionate about opportunities coming from inclusive education and entrepreneurialism, enabling social mobility. He also believes it is vital to nurture the generations of technology entrepreneurs to address the world's climate crisis and deliver sustainable growth for all. In today's episode, Paul will be sharing how his experience gained in his local family store set the foundations for his corporate startup and leadership success. How staying curious is essential for personal and professional growth, the impact of being in the moment with others, his obsession with understanding and valuing the customer, and the core distinctions between working in startups versus corporates. So let's head over and hear what Paul has to say. Paul, Good morning and welcome to My Brand HQ. It's great to have you here today. How are you doing?
1: I'm well. Good morning. It's great to see you too as well. be here.
0: Yeah, and I'm really excited for this conversation because I think there's going to be loads to cover, loads of those great nuggets come out of this. So tell me first of all, you have a truly accomplished career. You've done it all and I think many people will be surprised to learn that you actually left school at 16. So I'd like you to share a little bit more about that and what led you towards the leadership roles early on?
1: Okay, Um, well, um, great question. So I suppose those formative years for me, um, uh, and I love um, drawing on them, I suppose it's uh, reflecting now I've got to to the age I am. My my early days working indeed, my my parents ran um, basically the family store uh, the retail store. I've come from rural Suffolk, as well as born and brought up. Um, so it was uh, an amazing and probably my best entrepreneurial training ever. I mean, putting aside London Business School and IMD and all these great schools and universities I've been to, probably the best training I ever had was working with mum and dad in, in the village store in terms of its entrepreneurial side of things. And, and, and why is that? Well, um, in order to try and make things work, there was a whole bunch of stuff on sales and marketing we did at that level, particularly as the new uh, supermarkets moved into the area, um, trying to find ways to kind of make ends meet. Um, Dad was great at sales and marketing. mum's was great on the operations and finance side. We would effectively do the, the financials on a daily basis. So we knew exactly how many sales we had to make and, and uh, exactly where our costs were. Because you know, we were in a situation where unless we paid uh, cash on delivery, we didn't get stuff for the store. And you might say to yourself, well, OK, so how does that relate to running thousands of people in 70 countries all around the world? Well, all those fundamentals of really understanding passionate things like you know, the customer, the customer experience, um, executing on a daily basis, all fed through into the, to the leadership side of things. So when I think about some of my my leadership philosophies that maybe have come along to, sort of a leader has to do a few things, but I I summarise them down to three or four. Um, The first is have a clear vision of where you want to go and and be learning and wanting to improve all the time. Um, We were obviously, when Tesco's and Sainsbury's moved into local area and people started getting their cars and going there, we had to find a different way to make our our food business, our bakery, our shop, more interesting. So what do we do? We Well, we innovated. Dad was a great cook. So we got him going out the back doing baking, custom cakes. He did some f- fantastic kind of pies and so on. That would bring in uh, people to, to the store. Um, we we, re, we relayed out the store to force people to go right to the back of the store. And I don't know whether we could have painted this, but it was interesting to me about 20, years later or maybe 15 10 or 15 years later most superstores were doing this you put the baker at the back these lovely smells wafting over you as you're shopping and all that kind of stuff all again to try and uh, create a fantastic experience but of course if you had to go to the back of the store to get your your meat pie or steak kidney pie or your cake or your whatever you might cheese straws um it was just an opportunity to um you know uh find out Talk to customers, understand what would really make a difference to their experience and their lives, and, and so on. And so, on. Um, so that's the first thing. Innovation, thinking, learning, understanding the customer all came from that. Um, and the second thing a leader has to do so, the innovation piece, vision, a very clear vision of where you want to go. Um, the, the second piece for me was dad would say, Look, you know, the, the customers are about. Um, you have to deliver on a daily basis. If someone walks in the store and they need bread and they don't get the bread they want, then they're going to be rightly angry. So you always have to execute every day. There's something about consistency, commitment, so that every time every time that a customer walks into our, our store, they get what they need and, in fact, go out happy. And more. So that, that's the second thing. A leader has to make sure the customers and the people that you're working with uh, get that on a, on a daily basis. Um, I, I love a story. I like scuba diving. We might get into this. So scuba diving is a thing for me. i um, not, not recently, obviously. And I'm looking forward uh, to going back as a kid. I watched Jacques Cousteau absolutely, absolutely spellbound by watching him and on his ship Calypso and investigating the deep. And I said to myself, I'm going to do that one day. I really want to do that, uh, and thankfully, I have done it. Um, but I tell this story that uh, when you go out on the on the dive boat in the morning, um, you, it's an opportunity to meet new people. So you're on holiday. Um, I'm, I think I think this was in St Lucia, somewhere really lovely like that. So you know, just just thinking about it makes you feel good. And I'm next to I'm next to this woman, and um, we're we're having the sort of classic divers conversation which goes along the line, how I, where you from, where have you dived before, where, where's the most favourite, what's, what's the favourite place you've dived? Um, you know, I, I would say something like the Barrier Reef or, or the Red Sea is, 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 is absolutely fantastic and, and various places. And it's just fascinating because that's your thing you've got in common. You might, you know, be different people, your nurses, your doctors, your your, your whatever you are, but on the boat, you're all together in this common quest. And I've probably done about um, ooh, about over a hundred dives now. So some, but not, not that many. This woman was a um, uh, instructor. She's very experienced. She's done thousands of dives. And so I thought, oh, wow, look, she's, got, she's done thousands of dives. Um, where, where's your, you, know, you must know, she's been to everywhere, believe. she said, And she said, the thing that was really profound profoundly struck me, she said, my best dive is the one I'm on now because what I'm thinking about is why and how this dive is going to be safe, safe for you because we were buddied up you know, you have a buddying system. Um, what I'm going to see, what I'm going to look for, how I'm going to make sure that I don't touch anything and protect the reef and so on. Um, and yes, she could have a great conversation about some guy as it happened. I think it was somewhere out in Belize that she said she'd, she'd found really really fantastic but what struck me was that in the moment you're a coach know, we talk about being in the moment she was in that moment not thinking about anything that happened yesterday an hour ago she was going to just enjoy that moment and so being in that moment such an important thing for leaders think of the great leaders i would any of your listeners um think of the great people you, you you've loved the women and men you've had you regard as leaders and what People often say, and I've found this is they have that moment just for you. It's almost like you're the only person for that moment when they're talking to you, and they remember you, and they, they talk, and they they empathize, and so on. So, leadership things, vision, you know, in the moment, deliver every day, and then the final thing is around people. Um, and so, you know, think about people, um, give them autonomy, give them, give them the courage, give them the skills they need, give them the space to grow. Give them the support they need and create that culture and then the final thing thats why i said three or four things about two hours ago when you asked me this question um is yourself because um in terms of maslow thing unless you get that maslow bottom layer are you right so make sure you're looking after yourself make sure you're learning make sure you're fit you're healthy you're taking the time you're prioritizing and uh, a conversation we were having around focus um, and, and so all those things were why I go, when people ask me about my career, particularly a little bit of time, and they'll, they'll indulge me and give me the opportunity to talk about it. I talk about those early years because they were so formative. What happened to me at 16, which was, was your question again, about three hours ago, um, um, my mum and dad said, look, hey, you need to get a job now because we've looked after you. Uh, you need to get a trade. Um, that was what everybody did Brown where we were. Um, uh, apparently, um, teachers had phoned them up and said, look, you're smart. You should do it. You should go to university. But I'm sorry, you can't. we can't really afford for you to do all that stuff. So go out, get a job. You'll still be working in the shop at, at, at weekends, by the way. By the way, I never really thought about that as a bad thing. I, it's, just, it's just what you did. Um, but that's where I kind of lucked, lucked out um, because the luck for me at the time was, BT, um, I, as you would know it now, as people around the world might know, was the uh, General Post Office. Then was moving its research centre from North London out to Suffolk. So you know, again, um, I was I got about one of thirty apprenticeships, and even then, sort of five to eight hundred people applied for it, and I lucked out uh, and got an apprenticeship there. I, and, and just just to show for real, I, I brought this is my. This is my GPO helmet. So uh, as a technician, which I proudly have still, uh, and I'm very proud about my uh, my time as a technician, um, literally climbing the poles, providing service to customers um, uh, and so on. And and that's obviously how I got into the tech world uh, through that that route. So that's the story of how I ended up leaving school at 16 and how that's, I guess, uh, affected my whole leadership
0: career Wow and that's pretty phenomenal because you know someone hears oh I worked in a store actually it, it's about I, I guess what I'm getting there is a mindset thing as well because it's also about being aware of your circumstance, what's going on and questioning things in your own mind to learn because you can kind of go through something almost unconsciously and just be doing it without thinking. but everything you've shared about what you learned from working in the store at a young age are things that you've brought into leadership so you have to have a certain approach in your mind to that of of being quite like questioning things and challenging things and looking for why are we doing this or why are we not doing something so it's it's a it's a mindset that's important to 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 be aware of i say in whatever we're doing
1: yeah now 100 because you're always thinking what can i do more for the customer again it comes back to uh you know my my late father what you, you've got to earn the right every day, son. It's their money, their honoree care. They don't give it away for free. So you've got to earn the right. And then it's the whole thing that we talk about more as coaching and in leadership now around empathy. Put yourself in, um, you know, Mr. and Mrs. Rose's, you know, pensions in the village. Uh, what are they trying? They're up against it from kind of an economic point of view. What can we do around delivery? What can we do more in terms of helping them with their, with, the, with their, their food, how can we connect with them, with their with, with the community? We were very much into uh, that still at the providing sort of community services as much as anything. And particularly as the store and the post office, it became a community hub and a community center too. And, and that, that wasn't through some cynical, I mean, any, anything in life is always authentic. It wasn't a, a cynical, how could we sell more? That was the one thing my dad would always said, never sell, never sell anything to um, anybody that they don't need, he would never do that. He would, and I, I wouldn't even think about it. I I'd think all always, he would he never called it selling. He called it helping. He said, um, "Find a way to help people." And as another thing, I've carried into into life. It was never about um, trying to sell more, although that was a a, a positive consequence of people coming back and. And again, when you're talking about a SaaS business now and you're trying to think about recurring revenues, this is what you're trying to create. You Your customer experience is so good. People tell, you get viral market, you go there, the cakes are great, and you know what? They look after you. And if you, if you want a delivery, they'll, they'll deliver and, and all that kind of stuff. All those sorts of things in, in order to make such a compelling customer experience. Um, uh, do you want more things? So, I mean, I, we, we sold everything from paraffin for for lighter, uh, for, you know, gas, uh, for heaters, through to shoes, I mean, you could literally get anything you needed, if you, ha- we hadn't got it, we'd get it to you, you know, within 24 hours, again, you know, um, they call the, the, you know, you look at the brilliance of Amazon, but, you know, I would argue we' kind of doing that sort of stuff, uh, ages ago, and They're look, I'm not as, rich as Jeff Be- <laughs> I'm not as rich as Jeff Bezos, by any means, but, you know, it was just that mentality, and that's, that's I think you know when you look at uh, the Amazon thing. I mean, it, there's a lot that whole focus on customer and that that whole uh, predilection of of action and trying to learn and being curious and and experimenting. So you know I have my, my you know my famous. I mean, curiosity is you know, part of these um, so, so things. So, you know that whole thing. It's almost it is a leadership superpower that that desire to understand how you can be better, how your team can be better, how you can help more, and do that on a daily basis. Um, reflecting every day on what did I do right? What could I have done better? Not in a way to sort of like you know, self-flagellation and, and, you know, we're all human, but it's, it's that kind of passion for curiosity, for, for learning and, and so on.
0: Yeah, I, no, I love that. I love everything you just shared there. And just coming back to a couple of points, you know, you talked about the, the customer experience and, and, and um, being in the moment with someone else. When I talk about personal branding, one of the definitions that I think is the most important part of it is the feeling that others experience when they meet you, when they hear your name mentioned, it, it leaves that lasting impression. Yeah. And that's what we want to be doing all of the time. I think that's so, so important. So I, I, I love that. And and also, as you said just there about um, doing your best and always looking to improve both yourselves and those around you. Again, for me, that, that's part of what I'm doing with clients is, is enabling them to show up as the best version of themselves. And I think it's sometimes people fail to realise almost that, that you need to work on yourself. You need to be showing up as the best you because ultimately you've just given a great example we're always selling in everything that we're doing whether it's literally or helping yeah we're helping and and serving and we yes. want people to know like and trust us so to do that it's important to be in the moment with people to to connect to them to build those relationships so yeah really powerful stuff and,
1: and also, as you say very authentically too I mean you you picked on Alan sorry you just just think that well that? that's a great is it is it my good fellow quote, you know, people won't remember what you look like, what you said, but they'll Mind remember randomly. what you made how they made you feel or how yeah. you made them feel. Yeah. I think that's such a good thing. That that this you know, that that feeling that, that you get when you think about something or a great experience that, that and so on. So that's a great point. Yeah, and so helping
0: and the, and that's okay, the, the helping and the serving kind of fall into that, I feel, because people will feel that difference as opposed to if you're trying to sell like push the sale versus serve someone help them for them to realize actually they can benefit from this or, or the product the service so yeah love this love this So tell me a little bit about your your talent for technology for innovation for transformation and your passion for it because that clearly shines through so share with me a little about that and, and how you almost discovered your passion for tech um that's a
1: great question uh, I suppose, I mean, again, it started early on. I mean, you, you kind of, uh, as a kid, anything from, you know, building go-karts to, to whatever. Um, but at school, um, I, um, I'm older. I mean, we didn't ha- actually have a GCSE um, or O-level as, as in my days in computer science. Was, it, computer science was just coming in at that stage. And um, we but we could do something called a CSC, which, um, you know, my a a great teacher um, who's a a friend to this day, um, Dr. Dave Williams, although I still call him Sir when he calls up, he lives in Canada now with his uh, his partner and family uh, and so on. But um, in those days, you had to computers were so new. I lived in rural North Suffolk. We had to travel about 30 miles to uh, to Norwich. Uh, in order to have some time on a mainframe. So we could actually write some computer programs in both basic and a language called Pascal. Um, but what you, what you quickly realized is that the, the technology in itself um, was a, may, a way to improve uh, lives. I mean, I, I, I talk in my kind of seven Cs model, which I've shared with you um, about somebody having a cause. And if somebody's got a cause, which is a purpose. And we talk a lot about you know purpose over profit. It's coming back into, I wouldn't say fashion. I mean, people are actually seeing why it's important. Um, the point is today's sexy technology is tomorrow's legacy technology. Technologies, um, I'm 30 years and more in the industry. To, you know, uh, technologies come and go, but if you have a purpose, and if you've, you know, you're f- fixated on, on, on doing good stuff, and that's the great thing about technology. And whilst it can be used always, if it's not properly designed and risk aren't thought through for, for some negative things, by and large, uh, technology can be used for very positive things, making you know life more enjoyable, making life safer. Um, and that's why I'm kind of very passionate about, um, as we kind of look particularly at technology right now and into the future, why it's really important that, that us in the technology industry play up, you know, a significant part, I would say a really big leading part in the, in the whole green tech thing around uh, net zero and so on. You know, there's a, there is an existential crisis. I'm happy to have the, the debate with climate deniers uh, over um, <laughs> whether, whether the, you know, the planet is in, in in that much trouble or whether it's all that kind of stuff. But, but fundamentally there are two great, you know, we've really got to, Face up to the, the the climate side of things. Um, clearly, we have some short term shorter term issues, and I'm not trying to be insensitive. Pandemics and the current pandemic is 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 very very serious, and many many uh, people have lost their loved ones. So again, you know, technology and you think of what's happened on vaccines. Amazing um, what's happened. The the os you know, the Oxford uh, and all all the people all around the world who've worked. Again, one of my Cs um, in the seven Cs model of, of collaboration, collaboratively to bring. So brilliant scientists, men and women, all around the world, br- bringing that together. Um, and, you know, in answer to your question, that's, that's what kind of, I, I think, um, really, really inspires me about so science, technology, engineering, and maths, and the whole sort of technology side of things. And why I think it's really important to make sure it's more of an inclusive thing. I mean, one of the worries I have right now is about inclusion. So it's, you know, um, uh, we've seen this in the UK around uh, education and and people not having, you know, access to the internet. So why, you know, infrastructure, um, high speed, broadband, high quality, secure infrastructure, you know, to all homes, all schools and Devices and ways and means that people can kind of access is really really important, and I think that's also important to to make sure that we're doing that you know across the globe. So you know this is this is a rich planet with 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 amazing people in it. So you know they should all be have an opportunity to also um, take part in the technological revolution that, that's undergoing to make their lives better, safer. Um, you know some amazing things are going on in in, in tech uh, around health and so on and all that should be available to people so why I mean why I think tech is a great thing is I've never really thought to myself as a well so I'm very proud to say and I put on my um, uh, on, on official documents I'm a chartered engineer I'm very proud of being an engineer uh, and so on but but it's you know, engineering is all about applying science technology engineering um, to an uh, an outcome um, and that's uh, that's what it's kind of really important to me i, I must say um i don't want to overemphasize emphasize stem because um without the arts life is not is not a great place um, so i am I'm, I'm very fond of this steam acronym so um you know i i couldn't think of a world where i couldn't read a great book or um watch a great movie or and see some amazing opera or, or go and see, you know, whatever, it, you know, and I'm in a, so some great jazz, whatever it might be. So I think it's also very important, by the way, to, to, to my brothers and sisters in the artistic world. I'm not suggesting it's just one thing or another It never is that in life. It's about that, that whole life experience. So technology is there. And that's why I think we want to encourage more people. Um, of all backgrounds of all of all genders obviously there's a there's been traditionally and still is a a terrible lack of um of, of women coming into the you know, technology profession which which um great attempts to try and you know there's some wonderful role models uh, out there and needs to be more and more just just to say look the, these are the sort of things you can do to to shape the world our, our future needs to be shaped by by the engineers and technologists of tomorrow and that should should be open to everyone
0: yeah absolutely agree and you know part of the the purpose behind the, the the mission with the podcast is to have people like yourself who can come and share you know your experiences your learnings and also for me it's about showcasing possibilities for the next generations. showing this is what is possible this is what is out there um, so, so I love what you've just shared there. And, and just um, touching on that a little bit more, would you say then that when you started out at BT, at GPO as it was, and then you kind of got into this space and it evolved into the tech side, did you ever conceive that tech would play such an integrated part in our, in our day-to-day lives as it is today?
1: Well, I, I suppose your honest answer, I hope it doesn't sound arrogant, because yes, I mean, in those days, Everybody had a telephone that enabled me to uh, you know, communicate with my, my parents and grandparents. When I went overseas and I was running the international team, I was a, still remember to this day, phoning back home from Australia, and, and uh, mum would always say, oh, hello, Paul, isn't the line clear? Isn't that amazing? And I, you, know, you kind of just thought, well, yeah, that's what i have I was fortunate enough to be uh, involved with engineering the first optical fiber, uh, transatlantic cables, Satellite systems—it um, was just just all of you know, being able to uh, being involved in helping the of being part of the team that you know. To, this is this will date me. This is probably before you are born. But Reagan Gorbachev, when when providing the comms so that summit could happen, um, which effectively was was arguably the end of the Cold War—you know, a dramatic events—and then being able to broadcast the, all the broadcast links. Um, were, were were uplinked by you know BT people and the satellite teams that, that I was part of. Um, you know, l- l- my 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 boss was 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 the guy that led it. You know, and so being part of all that and being experienced, I and mean, it's like, I mean, this is just like, I was just like a kid from from you know rural Suffolk, and and now we're here, kind of doing this stuff. Um, but it, it's kind of obvious that technology, and uh, even then, was was going to be an ease you know a fundamental part and and now everything has a tech I mean tell me something in life which hasn't got tech underpinning it I mean nothing I, I, I can't hardly think of anything that hasn't got some form of tech which hopefully is either underpinning it or making it easier to um, I mean easier easier to to deliver
0: yeah so, so what if, if anything has actually surprised you the most in all of that
1: what surprised me Oh, that question surprised me, I suppose. Um, n- nothing kind of sp- springs to mind. Um, it's been a kind of lame answer, uh, I suppose. Um, if anything, um, that it's taken some time uh, for some, well, my experience, my experience now, if I kind of, when you first went in and I worked at the you know, BT's research labs and you would you would be designing things and you'd be innovating things and you'd be doing um, you know, proof of concept and minimum viable products. And you're thinking, hey, why can't we get them out there? I mean, th- this stuff is working in a lab. Um, and what you come to realize, obviously pretty quickly as you, you get experience is there's a lot more kind of barriers to, to, to things. So, um, if I use the experience from my own history, you know, we did the first broadband service. I mean, we were providing 25 megabits to uh, to customers in in London with direct fiber in 1990. One of the uh, one of the first things that happened to me was um, as part of a launch process and and so on. Rightly so, the business said, well, you have to have a billing process um, and you have to have a way of Doing operations, and we did all those sort of things. But um, part of the launch, you know, sign off was um, you have to have a, you know, billing process that works, it's been signed off by finance. Um, and uh, finance went, so I went to finance colleagues and said, Well, you have to have it through this system, that system, that system, that system. So I went to the IT people who own that system, that system, that system, and they said, Ooh, hmm. Huh. And there was a very large bill and, and many months. Now, we'd already committed pretty much to customers that we were going to go out and launch. So, so the bills for the first, um, I think, year of that were were, were were basically handwritten by me or typed out by me because they were low volume. And I just found, it, it sounds a bit crass, but it was, was, it was, it was authorised by everybody. I never, I, I got everybody on board. I, I believe in collaborative, you know, life, business is a team sport it requires leadership but it's a team sport uh and so on so the thing that surprises me and I think surprises a lot of people is how how long sometimes it can take to get from a something that you've seen working you know out to out to um out to really impacting on people's lives and and with an appropriate customer experience and just doing you know book what some people would call boring things, of um, being able to order it, being able to provide it, being able to fix it when it goes wrong, and, and so on, and making sure all those things, and then being able to kind of scale it up. And it's interesting to me that that, you know, when you look at some of the differences between, uh, you know, an entrepreneurial life and a corporate life, um, because I've kind of worked in, in both, You know, obviously started very, very small business and entrepreneurial went into you know running large global teams and have gone back to investing and working with startups and scale ups of you know, anything from a few people through to a few hundred. But that that that's one of the main difference. I see that the that the speed that startups and scale ups can can move at. Now that experimental trial things, they'll they'll go for things. Um I have to say that corporate life has got a lot better and a lot a lot faster, but Generally speaking, the things that surprises you um, is how quickly those things, um, how how long it takes sometimes to get from an idea into into actually out there.
0: Yeah, and, and I, I agree with you there. I, uh, having been most of my career in the, in the corporate space, you can see things can take quite long to go from, you know, just an idea to actually implementing uh, and putting it out there. So, and that was kind of leads me nicely into my next question is, you know you've had extensive experience both in corporate and in startup as you said so both c suite and advisory capacity and owning startups so tell me a little bit about this so first of all what would you say are the core distinctions when you look at the two um in terms of for example the different hats that you need to wear across the mm-hmm. two and the different thinking the approach perhaps that you'd need to take when approaching each scenario
1: yeah, I think the main, main thing with 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 startups, of course, is that you're you're you are definitely wearing lots and lots and lots of different hats. I mean, the the by, by you know, normally the, the the corporate world is you you are functionalized, and and then there's some sort of you know amalgamating, bringing it together in a startup scale up world. You're you're often um, literally doing you know everything from finance through to you know HR um, as well as in you know, the tech side mm-hmm. of things. Um, that said, there's there's a, there's there's um, quite a lot of um, in fact vast majorities eighty or ninety percent of the um, things I'd argue are the same except that often the there are not so many O's at the end of of things. I mean I I, I would hark back to my formative experience I was telling in, in the in the in the store in the village store and and the, the village bakery and the, and things that we were doing there. Right. You know, those fundamentals of selling marketing, the the principles, it's just how you apply them into a uh, global context and so on. Um, I think, you know, so an entrepreneurial environment, people will tend to experiment um, and will tend to be, um, I think, just faster to move. Um, Often they are people who have put their, their, houses and uh, reputations. They've taken a very, very big risk. Um, um, with all due respect to sort of co- corporate co- colleagues, um, they might, we might have innovated um, within a you know, corporate environment, but probably at the end, you know, what, what, what risks were we taking really and, and you know, what were we really jeopardizing? You, know, you can even you can have a discussion there. I think the other thing about you know an entrepreneur and a difference thinking about the entrepreneur and the sort of corporate world is the amount of time an entrepreneur often often has to be thinking about fundraising and where the money is coming from and where the cash is coming from, you know, to keep this idea that they're passionate about going, um, particularly at the early stages, that that can chew up you know so much time. Where actually what you want to be doing is spending time on improving the product, improving the customer. And so on. So a lot of my advisory work and the work with Scale Up Group and so on is, is really to help entrepreneurs there because uh, these are women and men with great ideas. They really have a, f- a focus about what they want to do, but they realise they need cash to essentially fuel that. And, and you know, raising uh, money at the right valuation with the right terms and conditions and so on can be exhausting and exhausting time and so on you don't necessarily have that, that sort of problem. That said, also, when you look at it, I mean, when we think of, when, if you ask the old, old person, you know, who's a great entrepreneur, and they'll often come up with, I don't know, um, Jobs or Steve Jobs or, or, you know, Bill Gates and so on. These are not small companies. So, they, you know, they, they may start off as a startup scale up, but they clearly have the ability to, to learn and understand what it takes to, to, to run a, a big global corporation and so on. Um, um, and and often also when they need to bring in advisors um, or coaches to, to help them on that on that way.
0: Um, yeah. So, so, so when if if someone's say starting out or early in their career and they're thinking about what's their next move, and I've had people like uh, who've spoken to me about this where they've said they're maybe in a large corporate and they're thinking I maybe want to move to a, a startup what are the unique traits that someone maybe should consider when looking at that decision? So whether they go down the bigger corporate route or the startup, are there unique traits that they need to look at? I think, do I have that? Is that something I want to be doing?
1: Oh yeah. I, I, I think I, particularly depending on what age you are, I, I think I'd be encouraging them to experiment and, and think it through, um, and, and do a few more fundamental things about, you know, what, what are they doing it for and why and really getting underneath those those sorts of questions I, I think one of the one of the problems of, of um, shows like dragon's den and, and other things and maybe some other kind of celebrity stories uh, celebrity entrepreneurial stories is there's a thing that they are oh, this is easy I have an idea I code it up and you know um, off I go sort of thing um, and, and that's not to um, that's not actually to sort of Dismay or disrupt anybody coming into. I think we need more. And I think um, one of the big things for me, as you heard from my earlier comments was social mobility and social mobility is a great way, particularly in a, you know, a, a, for people of, dare I say, of of, 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 from lower socioeconomic backgrounds have an opportunity to kind of break into whatever they might do. So if their cause um, is to you know make a difference in the world you know being an entrepreneur and delivering their vision and you know getting up in the morning every day and and working um, like an entrepreneur does to to make her vision um, or, or enable her vision to be delivered then you know that's that's a good 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 place to be um, having said said that I mean the, the corporate side of life um, the great thing about corporates is is you get a chance to you know you're you're working on. I mean, I mentioned in my BT career, you get to work on massive you know global programs. And um, if you're working in a startup and a scale up, you you might eventually get there, but but you'll by definition have to be involved in the sort of niche that you're you're that you're working on. Whereas you might want to think, hey, if I work at a a large telco or a large bank or a large whatever you have the opportunity to work the other thing i'd say about um working in a large company that, that i all enjoyed is i rarely I did the same job for for more than two or three years because i was curious about how i could learn um, and I also had a i had thankfully had kind of mentors and people who would say well okay now you've now you've kind of shaped up that area can we'll promote and you. you can kind of do Go over there and and, and try something, um, try something new. Um, generally, I don't like the idea. If I use a team analogy, as if you're a great um, um, if you're a great scrum half, or if you're scrum half, um, don't try and be a you know an amazing prop forward, or don't try and be a fullback, or if you're if you're a football player, you know if you're a great goalkeeper, don't try and be a centre forward. Um, often you see that happening. Oh, you know you've done these jobs, so we're going to move you around. Um, I'm a great believer in you're hired for what you do well. So uh, improve, improve those skills, but kind of recognize you're in a, in a, a, in a wider ecosystem and in a wider team and it, and life business is a team sport. Um, so I think that's kind of really, really important aspect of it. Um, I don't know if that kind of made, made sense.
0: It, it um, does, it absolutely does. And I think on the back of that, I, I'd, I'd ask you, if, if someone has got a very strong entrepreneurial spirit and an, you're a great example of this, but if you take that more broadly, would that person find it fairly easy to survive and to thrive in a corporate setting? Or do they, are they best placed staying within that entrepreneurial space, would you say? How easy is it to adapt between the two?
1: Um, I think it's a hard question to ask in, uh, or answer in, in, in a kind of a more general thing because I think it, it's horses for courses. I think you can be very entrepreneurial within a corporate. Um, um, most of my entrepreneurial friends. Uh, who I know who are out now, serial entrepreneurs will say that's absolute, um, they might use an expletive. Um, but I've, I've seen some some amazing kind of uh, entrepreneurs who are in big companies or they've turned their ideas and their portfolio of ideas, you know, from whether you're, you know, Apple through to, uh, you know, Amazon into small ideas, into you know massive ideas and continuing to innovate and so on. And indeed, you, you kind of look at the you know Amazon's fourteen principles. That that whole idea of the my my kind of curiosity thing and the constantly learning and and innovating is a really important part. And and therefore, I think if you've got an entrepreneurial uh, spirit, you can th- thrive. There are some that you know might want. That said, there are always, by definition, within corporates, certain rules and and strictures. And if you're if you love you know total autonomy. Um, I and mean, I think leadership needs to give people autonomy, whether you're in a, in a startup or a scale up or a corporate anyway. But if you really want and you're passionate about that autonomy and you think things are going to get in your way, then clearly getting some people to work with you on your startup scale up, getting some funding um, and, and driving it forward um, is, is, is the right route for you. So I'm 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 really always reluctant, which I, you you could say I'm I'm doing a politician's fudge answer or not answer. I'm 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 I rarely like to um, um, you know pigeonhole people or or anybody because you're a coach, I'm a coach. I, I would sit down and really um, sit uh, understand their motivations of what's and what's important for you for them, and then I'd be in a better place I think to advise or mentor them in terms of. What route? What I would say is, having seen been what do you call it poacher turned gamekeeper turned poacher. I don't know if that analogy is 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 you know I've I've definitely seen life from both sides, Um, uh, and I I do know that an entrepreneurial uh, mindset is absolutely you know fundamental whether you're obviously working in a startup scale up by definition, but also within a in, in corporate these days. The great thing about corporates is you have scale, you have custom, you already have customers, you have you know resources, um, both people and and uh, and finances uh, to enable you to kind of make things happen. When I was fortunate enough to um, um, recognize, um, because I've been traveling a lot, um, that there was this thing called the internet, and um, that was going to be a bit of a future for us at BT um, to go to the board and say, look, sorry, I don't think we should be a phone company anymore. Um, We need to be an internet company and then obviously a broadband company and a media company. But initially, as as stupid as that might seem, you know, taking that first business case up to the BT board at the time, um, there was a massive conflict. We really need to do all this stuff. Um, You know, we... I mean, clearly coming along and, and and saying to the board what we need to spend a load of money to replace very profitable services with with less profitable services wasn't very welcome. But of course, my argument was that it would better for us to do it to ourselves and control it and be ahead of the curve than than you know being behind it. So um doing that was 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 kind of brilliant, fascinating. Um, very challenging but 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 nevertheless you know a great thing to do
0: yeah no absolutely and you know I just love hearing what your whole career and everything you've done because it's so diverse and it's bringing so many different aspects so many skills to the table um, and I think for our audience it's important to just recognize you're sharing what is possible because as I said at start you you've done it all so I, I love it and and tell me what is the best advice that you've Ever received when it comes to your
1: career? These <laughs> uh, um, all, in a, in a way, ended up sounding a little bit cliche, but but I think the most one is you know stay stay curious, be curious, and and always keep learning. Um, and, and, um, and then I, I, it would be remiss of me not to mention um, dad and mum who'd always say. Um, you know, always do your best, and that, and I think that's a great philosophy because you know, if you don't, if you, if you, at the end of the day, I mean, in coaching, in leading, if you sit down with people and you ask them, you know, have you done your best? Have you done everything? Then, then you can. Need, I mean, if you play sport, let's use sports, play kind of, if 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 you've if you've left nothing on the field, if you've if you've trained hard, you've worked on your skills. You've done everything you could, and you still so you still lost. Then what do you do? You reflect on it, you learn on what you could have done better, and then next time you go on the pitch to play, you you go and win. Or if you're coaching the team, you motivate them to go uh, and do it. I, I think like kind of life 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 is very very tough, right? I mean, it's tough for a lot of people at the moment. I've got it a lot easier than than most, um, and I think there's always. I mean, in a way, my philosophy is there's always someone having it harder than you. This is also not a message to say, look, if you if you need help, go and ask for it. And we all know that's important in in, in, in right now. And and thankfully, and it's and it's okay to be vulnerable as a uh, as whoever you are and ask for help. You know, ask for help. And and I would always encourage, um, um, you know, one of my again come back to parents. My mum would always have sort of three things: K L C. She say be kind. Love and be loved and care for someone and so she always say um who who've you who've you called today who who've you who have you reached out for so kind of do that that's a that's a really good thing to do so all these things I think are um you know the best advice most recent one was a story which I think was was quite quite a good one, which really resonated with me around um trying to remember. oh yes it's a kind of um has it been helping helping companies and work with companies as we're going through the difficulties of, of, of right now. It's called the Stockdale Paradox. Have you heard about this one? No. No. So, so the Stockdale Paradox is this, this is, um, uh, so, so I'm trying to remember, Admiral Stockdale was a, um, U S Naval aviator top gun, if you will, uh, in the Vietnam war, he gets shot, he gets shot down and in prison. And, um, Uh, when they interview him afterwards, after the war's over, because he's in prison for many years, and and he's asked, you know, what got you through it? And he said, well, he said, and this is the kind of entrepreneurial thing, he said, I never stopped believing that I was going to get out. I knew I was going to get out. I was going to see my kids again. I was going to see my wife again. I was going to see my friends again. I never stopped believing that. But I was unbelievably realistic that it wasn't going to happen this month, Christmas or next year, because that's just not what's going to happen. And so in a sense, he'd set him up for never stop believing in himself. So I'll never stop. You should never stop believing in yourself. I should never stop believing in myself and anybody you know I'm working with, you'd say the same and truly mean it o- authentically, of course, because I do. Um, but also be be very very realistic about you know the the, the challenge you're up against, and um, particularly when you know entrepreneurs or when you have to go through different kind of people decisions, hiring and firing decisions, those kinds of things. I, I think it's a it's a good kind of philosophy, and always bring that humanness into that 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 as well. Um, when we've had to do in my in my Global career at BT, we had to do a number of downsizing rounds, as has happened recently. Um, and there's ways and means that you can do, you know, downsizing i.e., like making people redundant. Let's try and basically, uh, you know, people having to lose their jobs, um, and and doing it in a way that is transparent, communicated well, fair, and supports the the person on their ongoing journey is really, really would be really, really important to me. That's part of a you know your values value set and the culture that you set as a leader so that's, again comes back to leadership stuff. so again about five hours ago when you asked me i think it it it, it you know it starts off with that that um um, um you know, always do your best and, and I, I really just love the idea of never stop learning um i did a coaching um accreditation a couple of years ago because i i you know i i wanted to formally i um, just done an Agile leadership um, certification stroke course, you know, a couple of days. It's, it's, it's always looking to improve skills and always therefore help the, the companies I'm working with in terms of advisory, the people I'm coaching and mentoring, um, helping to raise money for.
0: And so tell me then as the, a as the final question, if you were to do it all again, what if anything would you do differently?
1: Uh, that's a really great question because I've always tried to set out with having a philosophy of, of no regrets. Um, and I'd also also always say to, to someone that I was working with and coaching, um, I support you in the decision you're making based on you know if you're doing your best, if you're doing all the hard work and you've made a decision in good faith, and the decision turns out to be wrong. A bit like an entrepreneur, you know, if she uh, has an idea, she takes it to market. As we all know, going you know, it one in only one in ten, maybe uh, less than that, kind of make it to to the marketplace or become successful. But you, you you respect and admire them, and I kind of look back on on my career and think to myself, um, wow, um, what could I have done different? I think we all. I, I did spend because because I um, because you work hard, um, you always think to myself, did I ever leave something on the table in terms of opportunities to to be with with the family and all those kinds of things? And by and large although I was doing a, um, a lot of global work at the time, um, I'd always make it back for weekends and so on so. There was some balances we, we struck as a, as a family unit, as a family team. Um, I mean, I don't want to be flippant, but I think sometimes you need to enjoy life and enjoy uh, more. Um, I, I think at the time, I didn't realize, particularly with the Internet and the broadband stuff, how pioneering it was. Um, and when I look back at it now, I think, wow, we did some incredible things with almost no people. You know, we took we we took um, the first um, IP service from from no customers to ten million within eighteen months. You know, it was it was just amazing, and it was just a great team. It was just a great feeling at that time. It's it's hard. So I think, although I felt like we did, we we celebrated. We had a lot of fun. Just making sure that you know everybody. Um, recognizes, you know, how good it is to be in this moment, and um, no, it, it, in one sense, kind of, no, no regrets. Um, I don't. I, I'm, it's hard, as, as arrogant as that seems, I don't feel like I would do anything differently. I, I, it's just been, you know, a wonderful, wonderful um, career, an opportunity to meet and work with some amazing people all around the world. Um, you know, many who um, you know, uh, from from Japan to to, to the States and Af- South Africa to um, to Norway. You know, some some people across the world who I thoroughly respect and thoroughly think are amazing. And you know, starting off as a as a kid in rural Suffolk what's not like. Yeah, yeah, it's and- a great place to be,
0: right? A great place to be to be able to say that.
1: And look, hey, it's not over for me. I mean, there's this big thing about evergreen I mean, we talk not green in 10 cents, but you know, there is at all stages in your life. You've clearly got a lot to give them. And now I'm, I'm you know in my fifties. It's just fabulous to sort of give back both in terms of you know, investing time, money in the people and so on, because I, and you know, we talk about social mobility, social mobility is passion of mine, it's important. I was lucky enough to have that opportunity. You know, I was, I was at, I was that person, um, and um, and you know, people gave me chances. They helped me. They meant to me, and it's important that we all kind of do that stuff. Plus, you know, there's an extent. Uh, I mentioned the existential crisis on on climate change and green tech and all that kind of stuff, um, and. Uh, at you know, 50 years old. You can, and a lot of 50-year-olds are, you know, are still starting up companies. They're scaling up companies. They've, you know, um, there's, you know, um, a lot of life left to, to live at, 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 um, at even into relatively older ages. Um, both in terms of helping 20-year-olds, in terms of, you know, mentoring their businesses, through to, you know, starting up your own or and, or helping in startups now. So um for me I'm still on the journey and I'm still in the moment and I'm still definitely staying curious
0: love it I think for me listening to you today the three big takeaways for me you just said it there stay curious and keep learning always do your best and be in the moment
1: perfect I've enjoyed being in the moment with you It's been
0: a great conversation. Absolutely. Thank you very, very much for your time. I know how busy you are. So I really appreciate you taking the time out to chat with me. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Take care. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already done so. And if you enjoyed and gained value from today's episode, then do please leave a review telling us your key learnings and what you enjoyed the most. And do please share this podcast with your friends and colleagues so we can spread the word on life leadership, creating a life of choice, freedom and new possibilities. Connect with me directly on LinkedIn and if you would like to learn more about how we can work together, either DM me on LinkedIn or email me. All details and resources can be found in the show notes.